All right. Uh, main service online here, Springhouse. Wouldn't it be great if you could get adults to memorize scripture verses for Bible bucks? I don't know. Okay. Uh, anyway, back to reality. Uh, yeah, I am so glad to, to be here with you guys this morning. Again, I know, I know we're not physically present, but God is physically present. He's physically present here, and he's physically present where you are. So uh, let's enter into this together. We're going to talk about hot water today, dealing with hot water, and how to do that. I don't know how many of you have ever experienced that before in your lives. But uh, would you stand with me, and let's read a scripture verse together, shall we? When he is at work in the north, I do not see him. When he turns to the south, I catch no glimpse of him. But he knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the grace and the power that are in your word. Thank you for the life and the hope that are in your word, Father. I pray that you would speak to each one of us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. What is an idiom? Um, some of you know what it is. Uh, many of you probably don't know what it is, though you use them all the time. You just don't know that it's, that it's what they're called. Uh, an idiom is an expression that by, by common agreement, common usage, common, um, yeah, common usage, carries a meaning that isn't really evident just from the words themselves. Uh, when someone says, doggone it, does that mean their dog ran away? Not necessarily. In fact, it probably doesn't. Uh, when, they, uh, when they say, it's raining cats and dogs. No, it is not raining cats and dogs. That is water falling out of the sky. Clouds are not designed to carry small, furry manimal, ma- manimals. <laughs> See, I, I do that even when there's nobody here. Yeah, well, there's a few people here. Uh, animals, long distances, and then drop them on the ground. Uh, when I say I'm going to go hit the hay, that doesn't mean that I'm going to go, you know, punch out a, a bale of something. Uh, when something costs an arm and a leg, you can, you can keep your body parts. It's just going to cost you a lot of money. Uh, another idiom is being in hot water. Uh, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Some of you may feel like you're in hot water right now. Lost income. Bills are still due. Sickness. Some of you may be experiencing sickness. It may not be COVID-19. And in fact, it might be a little harder even if it's not COVID-19 because all the focus is on that at this point in time. So you're in hot water. It's an idiom. What is a platitude? That's, that's, an, even, that's an even bigger word there. This is, you didn't know you were going to school today. Well... All right, the governor may have called school off, but we're, we're having it here. Uh, an idiom is a phrase that's been used so often that it no longer, we no longer consider it interesting. We no longer uh, consider it worthy of thought. It's just a step up from a cliche, which is a, which is a trite a saying that's so trite that it actually isn't interesting anymore. But a platitude may be true, but we just heard it so often. And when you're in hot water, it can seem like a platitude to hear someone say, 
Just trust in the Lord. I had to I had to laugh. I had to smile and then I had to laugh when uh, when it turned out that the last song before I got up here was one where we were going to sing I trust you, I trust you, I trust you. Yeah, uh, you know, Will didn't know where I was going. I, I didn't know what Will was selecting, but I think God knew knew both of those things. Well, just trust in the Lord is true and and it's great advice when we hear it especially when we're in hot water, we tend, to, we tend to think two things immediately. The first one is, well, that's easier said than done. And the second one is, how? How do I do that? How do I, how do I just trust in the Lord? Well, let's, let's address the, the first thing first, shall we? It's easier said than done. Most things are. Easier said than done. In fact, almost everything is easier said than done, but that doesn't mean that, that they aren't worth doing just because they're easier said than done. It, it, it doesn't mean that they aren't the right answer. It doesn't mean that they aren't true. You're, you're overweight, go on a diet. Well, that's easier said than done. Yeah, it, it is. You're overweight, go on a diet or, or, or exercise. You might not even be overweight. You need more exercise. Oh, that's easier said than done. Yeah, it is. Get more exercise. More, um, get more sleep. Yeah. Stop smoking. I, I don't know how many of you smoke, but if you do, hey, stop smoking. All right. Uh, that's easier said than done. Yeah, I know it is. Uh, I stopped smoking 45 years ago. It's easier said than done, but you know what? I'm glad I did it. It was, a, it, was a, it was a good thing to do. Just because something is hard to do doesn't mean that it can't be done. Learn, you know, I've got, uh, I've got seven grandkids. I've got five granddaughters, and I, I don't get to see them very often because they, they live a little ways off. Uh, I do get to see them, but, uh, you know, they're 45 minutes or so away. I have two grandsons who live next door. Uh, one is six and one is um, almost five, going to be five here pretty soon. And one of the things that occurred to me this week as I was thinking about things that are hard was when I was that age, learning the alphabet is hard. I, I mean, it, it is. I, I'd forgotten that, but it's a hard thing. And I don't know, uh, it's a piece of cake compared to learning your times tables. I, do they still make people do times tables? Do they, they still? Okay, yeah, that's a hard thing to do. But it's a good thing to do. It, it, it serves, serves you well. You know, nine times nine is 81. You know, once you memorize that, six times seven is 42. I mean, it's, it's good information, but, but it's hard. It's not, it's not easy. Graduation is hard. You know, uh, training for something is hard. Uh, you know, I'm not a professional athlete or anything. Well, actually, I'm, I, I don't really train that much. But, you know, professional athletes, they work hard to become what they are. But it's worth doing. And it helps to know, it helps to know that some others have gone before. And so I want to I look this morning for just a few minutes at a couple of, uh, couple of people who've gone before when it comes to this hot water thing. And the first one is the guy uh, that the book was named after that we read our scripture verse from. It's, it's Job. 
man named Job. You're in hot water? <laughs> How about Job? His wealth had all been stolen. I mean, he didn't, he didn't spend it on stupid stuff, and he didn't uh, lose it gambling or something. It had all been stolen. His children had all been killed. He had seven sons. He had three daughters. He had ten children. And you know how they were killed? A great wind. They were all in the house, in a house of the older brother together, celebrating. A great wind came in from the desert and blew the house down and it fell on them and they all died. If ever there was a time to go, God, why? All of his kids were killed. And his friends, who were supposed to be comforting him, you know, who, I mean, he, he had also gotten, gotten sick. He had been afflicted. And his friends came to comfort him. And for the first seven days they did because they kept their mouth shut. But then once they started talking, they turned on him. So, you know, his wealth's all been stolen. His children have all died. His friends have turned on him. Even his wife, even his wife has turned on him. He said, my, my, my breath is offensive to my wife. And, you know, I you make jokes about that. But, but he meant, you know, she really can't stand to be around me. I'm loathsome to my own family. And none of these things were his fault. He wasn't responsible for any of them. In fact, he had only done, in fact, if it was a fault, it was because he'd been too good. And the devil had taken notice of him and went, hey, you know, I, I, what, a, what about Job? And God had taken notice of him and gone, this guy's a good guy. That's the only thing that, that he had done. They were beyond his control. And yet here he is in hot water like, like nobody else. But he's also the guy who said, though he slay me, I will trust him. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. And then later on in, in Job 19, that, let, let's, let's put this up. It says, I know that my Redeemer lives. He's the guy who said this. I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end, he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I and not another. How my heart yearns within me. Job went through more hot water than any of us will ever face, than probably any, any 10 of us together will ever face. And he, though it was hard, he trusted in the Lord. There's a lot of theology in that verse, you know. Even after my skin is destroyed, I will see God in, in the flesh. He will stand on the earth. There's some, there's some ancient, deep theology there. But uh, the point for us today is this man, this man could trust in the Lord. And some people might go, well, you know, Job, Job's a parable. That's a, that's a, I don't, we don't even know if that was a real person. And, 
You know, I think he probably was a real person, but if he's not, that's okay. Parables are not lies. Parables are told to express truth, to bring, to bring forth truth into a situation for us, for us to learn something. But this second person that we are going to look at is definitely not a parable. He's definitely a historical figure, and that's, uh, that's Jeremiah. Uh, the last, well, in fact, all this year since February, we've been looking at, we've been drawing themes from the book Run With the Horses by Eugene Peterson, and it's, it's, it's studies on the, on the life of Jeremiah, thoughts on the life of Jeremiah. And Jeremiah spent much of his life in hot water. I mean, he just did. He, he lived in interesting times, <laughs> which is a, um, I'm told is a Middle Eastern curse. May you live in interesting times. He lived in interesting times. Uh, d- during, during his ministry, um, the king of, of Israel rebelled against the, the king of Babylon. And, and the king of Babylon came and, and besieged the city. And the word that, that Jeremiah was given from the Lord to bring to the people was, Surrender to the king of Babylon. This is, this is the Lord's will. <laughs> well, that low-down, yellow-bellied Israel traitor, I'm not saying that's what he was. I'm saying that's what he was called. I'm saying that's what people thought he was because he was bringing the word of the Lord that the Lord had given to him. He was publicly beaten. He had a mob that wanted to, wanted to kill him. And not just the leaders of the mob, but the, the leaders of the, of the temple wanted to kill him. And he, he barely escaped with his life. He was banned later on from the temple. He couldn't even come to, to, bring, to, to bring the word of the Lord to the people anymore. You know, and, and I know uh, we haven't been banned from gathering together, but we've we've made this decision because I feel like it was it was the right decision. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine this week, and he was uh, we were talking about you know how this all might, might affect the church in the future. And in fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a, a video about that that we'll put out uh, later this week. But uh, Randy was saying he said you know. I think this is going to be a good thing for the church because I think that there's a number of people out there who find out they miss it. They, they, they would, they're missing the fellowship of the saints and missing being with people. Well, Jeremiah was banned from the temple. He, he couldn't go to temple, temple worship. He had to hide from the king. This point in time when he, when he wrote a prophecy and, and he had to go into hiding because the king was going was gonna to kill him. He was falsely imprisoned. He, he bought a piece of property. Uh, times are hard, <laughs> needless to say. Uh, the city was being surrounded by the armies of Babylon, and his cousin came to him and said, hey, I got some property over, over in the suburbs. I got some property over, over in Anatos, and I'd like for you to buy it from me. And the Lord told him, buy it from him, because a day is going to come when it's going to be worth something and property is going to be bought and sold in this in this place again. And so there, he bought the piece of property, and there was a, there was a break in the, in the siege. There, there was a, a short time that the king of Babylon withdrew, 
And during that time, people were going out of the city. Hey, yeah, let's go out and buy some groceries or something. They, they were, and Jeremiah was going out to look at the piece of property that he had bought. And they arrested him. They said, you're going to desert to the Babylonians. He said, no, I'm going to look at my piece of property. No, you're going to desert to the Babylonians. Threw him in, threw him in prison. Threw him in a dungeon. He saw his nation defeated. He saw his city destroyed. This happens to people. People actually end up in these situations. And Jeremiah saw his city literally raised to the ground as his country and his nation was completely defeated and deported. And then he got to stay behind, but even after he stayed behind, he had people come to him and go, okay, the governor that was left by the Babylonian king had been assassinated, and people were afraid. They thought, okay, there's going to be vengeance, the few people who had been left. But the Lord said, no, stay. And, and, the, and the leaders of the people came to Jeremiah and said, whatever you tell us to do, that's what we'll do. And he said, well, here's what you need to do. You need to stay because the king of Babylon is going to be merciful. And the Lord says to stay. And they say, you're lying. We're going back to Egypt and you're going with us. Wow. And yet Jeremiah is the one who wrote one of the one of the favorite verses that we, that we have in, in, in the Bible right now is Jeremiah 29. And I'm going to go back and do verse 10, not just verse 11. It says, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to, to give you hope and a future. And I went back and picked up that first verse because he was writing to a people, a group of people who were themselves struggling with the question of what to do when you're in hot water. Because they were in hot water. They were in captivity in a, in a foreign land. And he didn't, he didn't just write that. Jeremiah, who'd gone through all this stuff, is also the one who wrote in Lamentations, and Lamentations, before we go to that list, let me say Lamentations is one of those books, if you've never read it, I mean, if you read it, you'll get a sense of what it's like to see your city destroyed. You'll get a sense of what it's like to see your people completely defeated. But right in the middle of it, he says, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It's easier said than done. But it's been done. It's been done by others, and it can, it can be done by, by us. It can be done by you. And he says, this is, this is the key to it. He says, this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. 
So let's look at the second question. How? How do you, how, what do I do now? How do I, how do, I do this? C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite writers, and he, uh, one of my favorite writings of his is a little book called Miracles. And one of the things that he says in, in Miracles is most people want to see a miracle. They just don't want to be in a position where they need one. And, you know, it's one thing to be in the good times and hanging out with your with your with all the saints and you're going, oh yeah, he's a miracle working God. It's another thing to be in hard times, to be in a position to need one. God showed Jeremiah a vision. Um, and this is kind of where I was getting this idea out of run with the horses that I should go here. And, and let me just say it was several weeks ago, is before I knew where we were going to be. Uh, but he showed Jeremiah a vision of an, of an almond rod that, <clears throat> that it budded. And he asked Jeremiah, so what do you see? And Jeremiah said, I see a walking stick. And God said, good, good. I'll make every word you say come to pass. I don't know. I don't know how that connection necessarily works. I just know that whatever Jeremiah saw, he saw the right thing. And God said, I'm there. And as we're in this time of hot water, I think the question that we need to ask ourselves is, what do you see? Uh, Here's a a thing here. What what do you see? What's the first thing you see there? You see a man playing a saxophone or do you see a face? Uh, If you go online and you you type in, what do you see? You'll end up with a, a lot of optical illusions. And, and I say illusions. Yeah, I guess they're illusions. And it, uh, <laughs> or Jogi Berra used to call them optional illusions. And, uh, and you, uh, almost all of them will say something to the effect, the first thing you see says a lot about who you are. Because what you see does say a lot about who you are. And if you see the right thing, it'll say something about what, who God is. You know, there's plenty of, uh, of evil to see, and there's, and there's plenty that's, that's wrong, and we tend to, to fixate on the wrong, and, and we tend to fixate on the wrong questions and, and the wrong issues. Uh, Eugene Peterson says in, in his book, Run With the Horses, he says this, too many of us spend too much time with the editorial page and not nearly enough with a prophetic vision. And I know that most of us uh, don't read editorial pages anymore. So, you know, let's let's make a substitute in there. Uh, Too many of us spend far too much time with the web page and not nearly enough time with the prophetic vision. We're we're so focused on the latest bit of crazy that, that we don't have time for clarity. Oh, that was good. Yeah, it was good. In fact, uh, Brittany, uh, Brian, whoever's responsible for p- posting on social media, that's my quote. I made that up. We, uh, yeah, we, we want to put that on there. We, we're so focused on crazy that we don't have time for clarity. Okay, let me put my toe in the water here. Uh, did China create COVID-19 to take over the world? I thought the Chinese were smarter than wanting to take over the world. I mean, seriously, who who would want to take over the world, for crying out loud? There's only one to whom it belongs. Uh, 
And, you know, and if, and if you think that's probably what's been done, then, you know, do you know that during this economic downturn, there's a really good deal on a bridge between Manhattan and Brooklyn? Think about it. I mean, and if you were going to take over the world, I mean, what, what kind of an idea would it be? Hey, let's start, a, let's start a really bad disease, and we'll make the whole world's economy crash, and then we'll take it over. No, only, there's, nobody knows if you pull on this cosmic thread what's going to happen over there. How to control, there's only one who knows that. And, th and that's the one who, whether you think it's 6,000 years or 5 billion years ago, flung the universe into existence. And at the time that he flung the universe in existence and put the stars and put the, the planets in motion in a, in a clockwork fashion, he knew that on an exact time, on an exact day, it was going to be necessary for Jupiter to go into retrograde motion over Bethlehem in the observation of somebody traveling from Jerusalem to Bethlehem to go worship the newborn king. He knew it whenever he started the clock working. He knew the exact time that his son was going to die on the cross so that, so that the moon, even though it was below the horizon, would begin to go into eclipse on the moment, the ninth hour of the day that his son died. And when it rose in Israel, it would be in total eclipse, a blood moon. He's the only one who knows this stuff. I mean, did China downplay the seriousness of it over the first few weeks? Yeah. Oh, yeah, they sure did. You know who else did? Italy, Spain, UK. You know, Boris Johnson, the, the prime minister of the UK, had COVID-19 and was on a ventilator for a while. And he's not my cup of tea, but I was praying for him. And one of the things that I, that I learned yesterday that I didn't know is that when people go on a ventilator from COVID-19, the fatality rate is 80%. One in five chance of coming out. Oh, the, the USA, we downplayed it for weeks. Any, any big economy that's dependent on, let's keep this machine moving, it's going to downplay it initially. You know, I stopped listening to a lot of sports radio about 10 years ago. Uh, I mean, I like sports a whole lot. But about 10 years ago, I think I got old enough and wise enough and, and bored enough to finally go, you know, there's only about six or eight weeks a year when there's anything actually worth listening to that these guys have to say, and the rest of the time it's just noise. And a lot of what is going on it, it, is just noise. But if, if we will get the right focus... If we, will, if we will put our focus, our trust on the Lord and these things I call to mind rather than, than all of the competing ideas of what's happening now, then we will find that hot water is a great medium for getting clean. Hot water can do some wonderful things in our lives. If we'll clear away the the clutter and the noise Dur during these strange days that we may find that we have a better way of living when the normal days return. 
That's another good thing, too. I don't know how you're going to make that pithy enough for social media, so I don't guess anybody will pay attention to it. But if, we, if we'll find a way to clear away the clutter and the noise during, during these strange days, then we may find a better way of living when the normal days return. If we learn to, to truly love each other through the bad times without, without being repelled by them, without being afraid of them, without being... Uh, becoming conformed to them, then we may be able to continue that way of living when the good times return. Times which carry their own set of challenges, especially spiritual challenges. Eugene Peterson says this, I, I wish I had said it, but, but he said it. We underestimate God and we overestimate evil. Yeah, yeah. You guys, come on, come on up. I'm almost, I'm almost done. But if we'll put our focus on God, and if we'll remember all of His benefits, and 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 all that His He's done, and His His great faithfulness, then the unessentials fade as the fog is burned away by his glory. There, there's a, a song that we used to sing back in the 70s and 80s. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. The things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Boy, wouldn't it be something if these strange days brought about the things of earth growing strangely dim? They can. Hot water can make you clean. Our hearts will grasp that, that hope that is an anchor for the soul. And, and something, something in, in, inside of us will well up and say, I know that my Redeemer lives. And I shall see Him. I, not another, I will see Him. And, and once my flesh is destroyed, I'm still going to see Him. In the flesh, he will stand upon the earth. I know that he has plans for me, plans to prosper, plans for hope, for the future. Oh, yeah. When he has tried me, I'll come forth as pure gold.